0: And the title of my message today is, Are You Really Forgiven? Thanksgiving week, 2012, I went to sleep one night and woke up to find I had suffered a hemorrhagic stroke in my sleep. I went to get out of bed and I face planted on the floor because I was paralyzed on my left side. That fall alone, with that bleed going on, could have taken me out. Praise God, my son and I were sharing a house at that time, and he was at home. He heard my phone ringing and ringing a few minutes later, and he knew I always answered it right away. So he came and knocked on my door and found me down in the floor. I could not raise my body weight up to standing with just one arm, and I did not understand that my left side was paralyzed, but he did. He heard my slurred speech, and he he was pretty sure he knew what happened right away. He said, He said, Mom, have you done some drugs? And I said, you know I don't do drugs. And he said, I know, I know, but I had to ask. And then he knew for sure that I'd had a stroke. He literally deadlifted all 155 pounds of me from the floor and carried me to the bathroom, set me on the toilet, and he said, don't move. When You call me when you're done. And then he went out into the hall and he called an ambulance. And I'm... (laughs) I sat there and I thought, I am not having my son come get me off the toilet, okay? So I stood up and I face planted again. And that prideful thought was the devil trying to kill me, y'all. That's how fast it could have all been over for me. I could have died in my sleep. I could have died when I stood, stood up out of my bed. And I could have again when I refused to wait for my son to come and get me. So, and the Lord had warned me. He had warned me about it in a vision. That could have been my last thought. And I remember the EMTs. They were there when they showed up a few minutes later in my teeny tiny bathroom, strapping me into the board that goes on the gurney. And one of them was real calmly talking to me. And he said, okay, we're going to take you to McKinney Medical Center. And they're going to put you in a room there. And all, you know. And I said, to which I replied, y'all just need to give that room to somebody who's sick. I'm not sick. I just fell. and one of them looked over at the other one he kind of smiled like "Yeah, she don't have a clue and so as they slid the gurney into the ambulance I remember seeing all those plastic boxes on the walls they had all those bandages and stuff in them I'd never been in an ambulance by myself or with anybody else so I didn't have any idea and then all of a sudden everything just went black I passed out so I told you all that to tell you this I was serving God full-time and teaching the Word at the time that stroke happened, and I could have been cast out into eternity that night. And you know what? I had unforgiveness in my heart against some people who had hurt me and hurt my children along the years. And here is the scariest part of that. I did not know I had it. I thought I had forgiven everyone. I tried to. I did not feel any unforgiveness. The reason I know I had unforgiveness then is that just weeks ago, I prayed, Lord, please reveal to me any unforgiveness that I have and help me to release anyone I have not forgiven. And it was either the following afternoon or the next day after I prayed that, I thought of an old friend on Galveston Island, and I decided to see if I could find her online. So I put her name in a search and up popped a photo of her husband. This was not a good thing. As not long before my husband and I moved from that area, he assaulted one of my family members who came to visit us. And my blood pressure when I saw his picture went from zero to about 90 in about a second and a half. I bet y'all can relate to your blood pressure rising to the boiling point that fast when you think of certain people. Am I right? We all need to pray, Lord, search my heart and reveal any dark thing that's hiding there. I don't want any sin in there, Lord. I don't want any wrong desires. I don't want any pride, any idolatry, any unforgiveness. I want to be right with you. Any one of us could have a stroke or an aneurysm in the next minute while sitting right where we are and be dead before we hit the floor. Don't think it can't happen to you. My daughter called me one day, and this was years ago, called me one day. She was getting ready to go to work, and she had a mini stroke while she was putting on her makeup, okay? And when she told me the symptoms, I realized what had happened, and she went to the hospital, praise God, and was okay, praise God, but it can happen, and it can happen that fast, and she is a very healthy, very fit person. Do not think it cannot happen to you. I didn't think it could happen to me. I was a healthy 52-year-old woman. I did not take any prescription medicine. I took vitamins and supplements every day. I tried to be reasonable about about my eating. I did not smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. I exercised and I had a stroke out of the blue, out of nowhere. I woke up, face planted on the floor and my whole world changed. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean you forget what happened. Forgiveness means you no longer feel negative emotions connected to the memory. When you can remember what happened and feel nothing, that is when you have truly let go and forgiven. When you repeat what happened over and over to all your friends, and you get angry all over again, and then you say, oh, but I've forgiven him or her. You're lying to yourself, and you're lying to them. You probably don't mean to, but you are. You've not forgiven anybody if you become emotional every time you remember. You have not forgiven a thing if you can still recall every little detail. No one can recall that kind of detail unless they are replaying what happened over and over in their minds or speaking it out of their mouths for years on end. We all know that one person who keeps rehashing the past over and over and over and decades later, over and over and over until you are sick to death of hearing it, it is time to let go. Forgiveness does not change what happened to you in the past, but it can change what will happen in the future. It changes how you will feel every day for the rest of your life. Forgiveness does not have to be requested or acknowledged. It is something you do for yourself, not the other person. A lot of times the other person don't care whether you're, you're hurt or not. Sometimes they're not even aware they hurt you. Forgiveness should not include expectation that the other person is going to apologize or somehow make things right. of the time, y'all, when somebody hurts you that bad, it's not even possible they could do anything to make everything right, okay? To truly forgive, you must understand that your lack of forgiveness is not hurting them, it is hurting you. You are the one whose body is being ravaged by the stress, the anger, and the pain, not them. You are the one whose energy and thoughts are being eaten up by bitterness and resentment, not them. You are the one who still painfully relives it over and over and not them sometimes the person we most need to forgive is ourselves i've certainly dealt with that before i can't remember who it was that said it but um they said um unforgiveness was like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die or something like that charles stanley dr charles stanley said whatever has your focus also has you let go for the love of Jesus. Don't let them take your future too. If they took your past, don't let them have your future too, y'all. Hey, stuff happened to me too. You know what? You got to move on. If life gives you lemon, make lemonade out of it. So this is an area that I have struggled in numerous times. That's why I teach on unforgiveness. And I thought I had taught on it more recently. And I asked my assistant Dean, I said, when's the last time I touched taught on unforgiveness And she looked back and it was like 2018 I said are you kidding me I thought it was like in the last year goes to show you but anyway so this is a subject that I study pretty often and I'm studying it again I think any area that we struggle with a lot we will be tested in over and over until we can pass that test with flying colors and I keep getting tested in this one, so I must need, still need help, right? Okay, we want to talk about the parable of the unforgiving servant because it's the perfect illustration of what's going to happen to us if we do not forgive. And this is the same for everybody. Whether you are Christian or not, doesn't matter. The rule is the same for everybody. If you refuse to forgive others, God refuses to forgive you okay we're going to Matthew chapter 18 I'm gonna start reading in verse 21 you can follow along in your Bibles then came Peter to him and said Lord how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times Jesus saith unto him I say not unto thee until seven times but until seventy times seven therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. Boy, aren't you glad they don't do that anymore for debts. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what was done They were very sorry, and came and told unto their lord all that was done. Then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest now thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Okay, do you have to forgive them if they don't say sorry? Does anybody know the answer to that? We're going to talk about that. Are we only required to forgive if they repent and say they're sorry? Since God's word has the answer to every question, I will let what Jesus said answer that one Matthew 6 15 but if you forgive not men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses so the answer is no you do not have to forgive them if they don't say they're sorry but if you withhold their forgiveness God withholds yours when I went to sleep the night before the devil tried to take me out with that stroke It was just a normal night nothing out of the ordinary was happening No reason to think I would not wake up the next morning, get up, read my Bible, pray, drink my coffee, and eat my breakfast. No idea at all I would be having breakfast in the ER. Okay? Yeah. The doctor said if that bleed had moved one millimeter further, it would have shut down my respiratory system, and they could not have saved me even with surgery. I would have been dead. The reason is because a bleed on the brain kills tissue, and this one was so deep. In the cerebral tissue wasn't even possible to operate, praise God, because I would not have wanted to wake up and find out, yeah, that I'd had brain surgery. The jokes would have never ended, you know. It is only by the grace of God that it did not go another millimeter, considering I fell down like an idiot that second time trying to be independent when I was already near death and didn't know it, and the fact that I was right by a porcelain bathtub and if I had fallen and hit my head on that, it would have been... Game over, Lomax. You're done. Welcome to your eternity. Oh, and by the way, you will be seated in smoking, not non smoking like you thought. Why? If I am saved and sanctified, would I be seated in the smoking section? For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew six fourteen and 15. The word that is translated forgive in Matthew six fifteen means to send away from out of. I was meditating on that and I thought, okay, if we send it out of us, then it is something not of us and not of God. Otherwise, we would keep it. So what we are holding on to otherwise is of the devil. To let go, to disregard, to leave, not to discuss now. To let go, to give up a debt, to forgive, to remit. Let's talk about giving up a debt. When you truly forgive a person, you do not want to pay them back anymore. Not only do you not want to pay them back, You don't even want to see them paid back. You release that debt completely to the only one who is qualified to exact payment for it. And that is Jesus. He is the only one who is perfect, no matter how perfect you think you are. He is the only one who is truly perfect and lived a sinless life. And he is therefore the only one qualified to judge and to collect. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again for anyone who hasn't heard it. In 1997, I was doing an oil and gas job in Morion City, Louisiana. And I had only been a Christian about a year, maybe a year and a half. And I came to the um, scripture in the Bible. I just started reading the word. The word is just opened up to me and I was just devouring it. I would take my Bible with me to work and if I had a few minutes, I would read it. I would read it every night. I would go home at lunch and worship. I mean, I was sold out, y'all. Still am sold out. And I found the scripture that says, if if you don't forgive, God doesn't forgive you. And I panicked. And I quickly scratched a list out of everybody I thought I had unforgiveness towards. And then I went one by one and I prayed and I forgave them and I released them. And when I got to my ex-husband on the list, I couldn't do that one. And I said, oh, no. And I was in my bed and I got out of my bed and I got on my knees in my bedroom and I said Lord I am NOT going to hell for him I already lived in hell with him I am NOT going to hell for him you got to help me your word says I have to forgive him so I need you to help me forgive him and I mean I was just crying out to God just crying and I, and I said I'm not getting up off this floor until you help me I can't do this one by myself and then I saw a vision and in that vision I saw things that happened to him as a child that he never told me about. And then I felt something touch me and all the unforgiveness left me. I could still remember that I had been abused but I could remember very few of the particulars. I could remember very few details and what little I remembered had no emotion connected to it whatsoever. Then or now. That night God took that unforgiveness because I was willing to release it. I just didn't know how to release it. So I want to tell you, if you have trouble forgiving anyone, God is willing to help you and he stands right there beside you, ready to set you free from all that painful poison. You don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be bitter. And you don't have to go to hell and suffer more pain after you already suffered so much. You can be free. Before I move on, let me clarify something for you. Being turned over to the tormentors means you are turned over to some type of torment. Not that you will be tormented by your thoughts of not forgiving that person, okay? Because let's be honest, most of us don't even realize we haven't forgiven, so that's not bothering us. That torment for you may be a sickness or disease. It may be constant pain. It may be constant failure in your life. It may be unrelenting regret. It may be terrible poverty. It may be addiction that won't let go of you. Only the Lord knows what torment in your life is caused by you refusing to forgive. Okay, let's talk about the people who are the hardest to forgive. I think of all the people who hurt us, the worst are the ones that we really reached out to in love that we prayed for, that we cared about and poured ourselves out for in love in an effort to make their lives better. And then that day comes when they misunderstand something you said or become offended at you for something. And then instead of looking at your friend, you're facing a big coiled rattlesnake striking at you out of the blue with their words, trying to hurt you as badly as they can. And the very hardest to forgive are those who After you finally work through and forgive them, turn around and burn you again and again and again. I'm sure you know the type. These are the cases that are the toughest for me, but praise God, we get a lot of practice because I do not allow very many people to get close to me. But when I love somebody, I really love them and I open my heart and my life to them. And I pray for them and I intercede and I ask God for mercy and blessings for them and When suddenly I'm slapped down and cursed for my efforts, well, it's kind of hard to recover from that kind of pain with no ill feelings towards them. But, you know, sometimes people are just fake and sometimes they're weak and sometimes people hurt you because they themselves are hurt or they just lack understanding and they have no fear of God. Either way, forgiving others is what God requires of us, so... I was doing a study trying to figure out how to forgive as we're commanded to forgive. Like, what are the steps of letting go of that pain and giving it to the Lord? Because God does repay those who hurt you, y'all. I have seen it. I've seen it time and again, and I mean, it is so exact. You cannot even believe how exact it is. And if you have kept your side of the street clean and you're still in contact with that person, you'll see it happen. If you don't see it happen, it's because it's going to happen in their eternity. And that's even worse. And after I kept seeing it and saw how exact it was, I began to understand why Moses and Aaron hit their faces in intercession when others came against them in ugly ways. They had seen God move on their behalf, and though the people who were hateful to them did not fear God, they knew enough to. Many years ago in Elk City, when I was supporting my two kids, I was working. I don't remember how many jobs I was working. That might have been my only job. I don't know. But I was waitressing at um, a hotel there, a nice hotel. I won't say which one. And one day, just before Christmas, the manager called me into her office. And I liked the manager. We were friends, kind of friends. And she called me in there, and she put a piece of paper in front of me, and she said, I need you to read that and sign it. And so I read it, and I... I was standing and I threw it down in front of her and I said I can't sign that that's not true I said if you give me something that's true I'll sign it but that's not true I'm not signing that and she looked at me and she said they told me to fire you if you didn't sign it and I said you do what you need to do and um, she said well she said it's almost Christmas she said why don't you go home and think about it and I'll call you this evening I said okay I said but I'm not signing a lie and I didn't have a lot of integrity in my life back then, but I did have that much. So I went home, and I thought about it, and I thought, I'm still not signing a lie. And when she called me, she did what they told her to do, and I said, okay. It was about, let's see, six months later. We got through all that. It was a rough Christmas. Um, my kids didn't get much that Christmas, which broke my heart. Six months later, I think it was in about June, I was at Walmart there, and I saw her out in the parking lot. And I said, hey, how are you doing? You know, and I, I didn't have any hard feelings for her. She was just doing her job. And she turned around. She goes, oh. She goes, how are you doing? And I said, I'm good. And I, had, I went to work. Six weeks after they fired me, I had another job. And I got unemployment in the meantime. I had to fight them, but I got it. And she said, will you tell me how you won your unemployment case with them? And I said, sure, if you want to know, sure. And I said, why? And she went on to describe, they did exactly to her the same thing they had done to me. And you may think, well, why did she get in trouble? She was just doing her job. Yes, she was doing her job. And this is, oh, the Lord said this is a word for somebody. This is happening to you. She was doing her job, but what they told her to do was wrong, and she still did it. And she knew it was wrong. She was my supervisor. She saw how hard I worked for them. She knew that I was an honest person, and she knew I did not deserve that. Of course, if she had had failed to do it, they probably would have fired her, but she still shouldn't have done it. They fired her anyway. The Lord said, that's a word for somebody. You're being told to do something you know is wrong. You know it's morally wrong. And you know that you are going to have to compromise your integrity to do that. The Lord said, you think about that real seriously, because it's going to come back on you if you do it. It's going to happen to you. I wondered why he was having me do this show. Okay, so, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brothers sin against me and I forgive him until seven times? And Jesus said to him, I say not into the until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So if we are supposed to forgive 70 times seven, we need to be ready to forgive at all times. Every minute of every day, we need to be ready to forgive whoever hurts us. Maybe the very someone's we love most of all. Since we know Satan always attacks us through those closest to us where he can do the most damage and cause the most pain with the least amount of effort. We need to stay in forgiveness mode at all times. We need to live a lifestyle of forgiveness to honor the one who forgave us. Years ago, when my mother was in the care home at Elk City, I was praying for her one evening and I was crying because mom never got a house. That really hurt me that she never got a house. That was the only thing she ever wanted was to be happily married, have kids, and have her own house. And... The Lord wanted to talk about something else. And he told me that I needed to talk to her about her unforgiveness towards my father. And I said, Lord, that's mom. I mean, I had a lot of respect for my mom, y'all. My mom was a model of virtue and love. You look up mother in the dictionary, my mom's picture going to be in there. So I said, that's mom like you can't mean that and he said she looks at you as her pastor you have to do it and I was like okay I'll do it what do you want me to tell her and he told me and I had to I had to go give my mom basically this message you have to forgive him or you can't get into heaven and it was so hard for me to do that but y'all know what my mother loved Jesus so much she's like okay She didn't even get on to me for basically rebuking her, reproaching her, whatever you want to call it. She received what I had to say 100%. She received it with humility and she immediately repented. That's the kind of mother I had. I am so blessed to have had a mother like that. I miss her a lot. This is not in my notes, but the Lord is telling me somebody needs to hear this. I don't know what kind of mother you have. But you only get one mom. And he wants you to make it work with her. He wants you to, I don't know if you need to forgive her or she needs to forgive you or maybe it's, I don't know. But the Lord says this is a message for somebody that desperately needs to hear it. And he's showing me, you don't have very long to live. And I, I don't know if you know that or not. You only get one mother and sometimes they're not perfect you know I mean none of us are perfect all right I was not a perfect mother far 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 from it but I always loved my children even when it may not have seemed like that to them and I've talked to many others who are mothers who have a lot of regrets now that would love to make things right with their kids and my heart breaks for them because I know what that's like but I don't know who this message is for But the Lord wants you to make it right with your mom, whoever she is. And forgive her or get her to forgive you or whatever needs to happen with that. Because you don't have very much longer left on the earth. And you cannot get into heaven with unforgiveness, honey. I'm going to say a prayer for you, whoever you are. Lord God, give them the courage and the grace to do what you're asking them to do. And remind them every day. That we only get one mom. I was so blessed to have the mother I had. And my heart breaks for people who didn't have a wonderful mom like that. Because I would not be half or a tenth of the person I am were it not for my mother. But no matter what kind of mom that we have, we still only get one mom. And nobody can take her place, I promise you. Nobody can take your mom's place. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so how do we get to the state of unforgiveness? Somebody hurts us or disappoints us. Satan sees the opportunity and he starts manning the record player, what I call the replayer. Replaying the scenario over and over and over, whispering lies to us, accusing the person. We start to listen because we're hurting. You didn't deserve that. That was terrible of him or her to do or say that. You would never act like that. That's pride. That's the voice of pride when you hear that one. Hurt begins to progress towards anger as the replayer keeps playing. And then it moves to resentment. And resentment is like an infection under the skin. It quietly increases and turns redder and redder. And this can go on for years or decades. Lifetimes can be lost to resentment. And resentment is a joy killer. Can I just say that? And resentment becomes full-blown anger. And as anger continues to grow, it becomes hard and bitter. Bitterness no longer believes in anything good, it only sees the bad. And it cannot see its own part in the play, it just places blame. When bitterness finally hardens rock hard, it has become a dark, toxic mountain of unforgiveness with deep roots poisoning your soul that tells you everything you feel is somebody else's fault. Years ago, when I lived in Princeton, there was an older lady named Catherine that lived not far from me. And I met her, I think I was out walking one day just to get out of the house. And she lived in an apartment, like, blocks away. And we became friends, and I used to go see her a couple of times a week, because I was out of work, and there was no hope, and I really didn't have anything else to do. And it kind of took my mind off everything else. She had some kind of a shoulder injury probably a rotator cuff or something and and she was always in pain in her shoulder but she was always talking about her past how bad her husband treated her how bad her daughter treated her how bad everybody treated her everybody was bad to her nobody was good to her and she went on and on and on. oh but I forgive him oh but I forgave him and I would say okay that's good you know and I mean I would sit there and I would walk in the door feeling light and you know happy to see my friend And within five minutes, I would be like, for the love of Jesus, what am I doing here again? And I would walk out feeling like a thousand pounds had been added to my load. And eventually I stopped going over there because I didn't need any more added to my load. I was already out of work and out of money and everything else. She had so many people she had not forgiven. And I counted one time. I remember she I said what year did that happen Catherine when was that and she was telling me the story again she had told me every day and I counted back in my mind y'all and it was like 40 something years and she was still recanting the story with all the details in there and a lot of them were details I did not want to know if you know what I mean and I thought dear Lord she's held on to that all these years and then I understood why You know, I never went over to her house and found any other friends there. I was the only friend. The other other friends had flown the coop because they got tired of hearing it too, you know. And eventually I just stopped going over there because I just couldn't handle any more weight on me. I think her shoulder pain, which tormented her, was caused by her unforgiveness. I did not know this about unforgiveness then or I would have said something to her. I don't think I knew this, and I don't think I ever said anything to her. The battlefield is always in your mind. All sin is conceived the same way. When we receive the thoughts, the enemy seeds into our minds. When we entertain or think on or let that thought form in our minds, then we entertain it and we let it stay. That's why the Bible tells us to cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Unforgiveness, if you don't remember anything else I say right now, you remember this. Unforgiveness is one-stop shopping for Satan. The rest of your life can be crystal clear from sin. It can be snow white and have fairy dust on it. It's so clean from sin. And if he can get you into this one sin, he can get you into hell. And hell is a real place. Can I just tell you, hell is a real place. Ask anybody who's an alcoholic or a drug addict ask him if they've been to hell ask him if they've ever seen the devil they'll tell you they don't know jesus but they've seen him there's a reason for that satan don't need to get you into any other sin if he can just get you in that one that's why he works so hard to get us to not forgive you become his if you refuse to forgive and if you think that that will not take you to hell, you will be sadly disappointed when you get to the other side. Y'all, please hear me on this. I want all of y'all to go to heaven. I don't want y'all to go to hell. I try so hard to teach you everything that I know and everything that I can find out to help you get to heaven so we can all be together up there. Because I want to see all y'all when we get up there. We can all drink coffee together. The minute you refuse to forgive, you're turned over to the tormentors and you're locked in the prison house just like the unforgiving servant was. Forgiveness is the very premise of the Christian faith. You cannot call yourself a Christian and refuse to forgive. You can't do it. That prison door that you get thrown into is going to stay locked and you will continue being tortured until you forgive. It's as if the Lord is saying, you remember when you did that really bad sin? You know that really bad one that you don't talk about? I'm willing to cover that in my blood, but you have to then forgive every other person who sins against you. Those of you who have listened to me for years, you know the, the forgiveness test, the unforgiveness test. So for anybody who don't know, let me tell you, when you think back, over whichever person or whichever event or your childhood or your marriage or whatever it is that pushes your buttons. If you feel anger rise up in you, you have unforgiveness. Okay, and I'm not saying that what anybody did to you was right. What I'm saying is that Why would you give them your future and your eternity if they already took so much from you? Why would you do that? And why would you spend your present thinking about them? Why? Let it go. For the love of Jesus, let it go so you can go to heaven. So your future can be better than your past. Y'all, I've got stuff in my past I could have held on to too that people did to me. But you know what? Living well is always the best revenge anyhow. And I'm not trying to get revenge on anybody. I'm just trying to live my life. But I'm not going to hell for nobody. And I don't want y'all to either. Forgiving someone that really hurts you is hard work. I'm not saying it's easy. And the truth is, most of us would rather hold on to our pain and our anger and rehash it until we've beaten that thing plumb to death. We can get comfortable with our sin, can't we? Y'all ever notice that? We can get real comfortable. We can get comfortable with that anger and that unforgiveness that we should not be comfortable with it because it is not of God. All right. But we get comfortable. We take comfort in thinking about how they did us wrong and talking about how they did us wrong because holding on to sin requires no effort. It is the laying down of sin that requires effort. So do you want to get all comfortable with the pain they caused you or do you want to cry out to the Savior who died for you? And start working on extending that forgiveness to others. I vote we start extending because I plan to go to heaven. If you choose the other way, I'm sorry I won't be able to see you on the other side. But We are supposed to model his forgiveness in the earth. Okay, it's not always easy. Extending forgiveness does not mean you need to go hang out with that person again, okay? You don't even have to talk to them. Forgiveness is something that happens inside you. It is the state of your heart and is part of our walk with Jesus. Or it can be the end of it if you don't, because he said, you're not bringing that trash in with you, okay? Which means you got to let it go. The Bible says we're supposed to bless our enemies and not curse them. And although we'd rather curse them, that's not the right thing to do. We are supposed to pray for them. So pray for the person that you feel wronged you. Pray even if all you can say is bless them or bless them with strength, repentance, and understanding, Lord. If you are hating them for hurting you or talking bad about them or posting snarky comments on Facebook aimed at them, you are cursing them, okay? Make no mistake. Read 1 Peter 2.23, which talks about Jesus not reviling, again, those who abused him and railed at him. We are to follow his example, not the world's. Repent or God's vengeance won't fall on them. It will fall on you. Okay. Remember that the whole gospel is based on forgiveness. Make a decision and a commitment that you're going to forgive. Is it really worth your salvation? Is it really worth spending eternity in hell being tortured by demons? Because that's a real place and that's really what's going to happen if you go there. Okay. That's not a joke and it's not something somebody made up. It's real. Don't let the sun go down on your anger any day, today or any day. Forgive immediately. If you forgive immediately, offense, resentment, anger, and bitterness will never set in. It's not wrong to feel angry or hurt when somebody treats you bad. It is wrong to hold on to that anger when God said not to. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Ephesians 4.26 It also says in the Bible, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit better than he that takes a city. Refuse to stay offended no matter what they did or did not do. Remember that offense means bait in a trap. It's Satan's bait. John Bevere wrote a book called The Bait of Satan, and it's about that very thing, the spirit of offense. Offense is Satan's bait in the trap that snaps closed and traps you in bitterness. Recognize that Satan has set a trap for you and obey James 4.7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist being offended. Just decide you won't do it. Stop thinking about it. Cast down the thoughts of how offensive their behavior was or is and let it go. Replace each of those thoughts of offense with thoughts of prayer for them to gain understanding or a scripture verse that comforts you instead resist the urge to tell others what was done to you this is hard this is very hard especially for us women folk because women process everything verbally and all the men said oh no the discretion of a man defers his anger and it is his glory to pass over a transgression that's proverbs 19:11 so if discretion which is keeping quiet defers, or puts off your anger, then you need to be discreet, which means be quiet. If you truly feel you were wronged, Jesus said to go and tell them what they did to you. Now, I I don't advise doing this if they are very violent or mentally unstable. Matthew chapter 18, if you want to read this for yourself, verses 15 to 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he will hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. I want to tell you all something. This process right here, those three verses is how God will deal with you if he is trying to get your attention about something. He will try to tell you, in verse 15, he will try to tell you if you're out of, out of order somewhere. If you don't listen, he will tell someone you know to have them speak a word to you. If you don't listen, he will have someone call you out in front of your church. Like in the congregation, somebody will give you a word in front of God and everybody. And he's doing it in his mercy, but it would be pretty embarrassing. Realize that some people just hate us because we are his. Okay, John 15, 18. If this is the case, there will be nothing you can do. This was the case with the Pharisees in Jesus' day. So there really was no point in him going to them to point out their fault, although he did preach to them. The principal thing in this process is that we submit not to our emotions, that tell us to do what our flesh wants and stay angry and unforgiving at the person who hurt us, but that we submit to the word of God, which is true wisdom, and do what is right. That we forgive as we have been forgiven, so that we are not trading our eternal forgiveness for the temporary fleshly desire of anger and unforgiveness. When we walk in unforgiveness, we are angry, we are offended, and we have no peace. But when we release what they did to us to the Lord and trust Him to deal with it and them, And when we pray for our enemies, our peace returns. We can go on with our lives, and he will deal with the rest, and our salvation is secure. Don't let them take your salvation. That would not be smart. What happens when we don't forgive? Number one, Matthew 6.15, we are not forgiven. Number two, our prayers are hindered. If we have ought against someone, we're supposed to leave our sacrifice at the altar and go and make it right with them and then come back and offer our sacrifice to God. We are also handed over the, to the tormentors, Matthew 18, 34. God cannot take us higher. Our spiritual growth is stunted. We are stuck because forgiveness is the very foundation of Christianity. We cannot call ourselves Christians if we are unwilling to forgive another. Look at everything God forgave you for. And lastly, there is a wall between us and the Lord. Sin always puts a wall between us and him. Our discernment will suffer. Our hearts become hard and we won't be able to hear him when he's trying to speak to us. Unforgiveness is one-stop shopping for Satan. He don't need to get you into any other sin. If he can get you into unforgiveness, he can get you into hell. You become his. Okay. I want y'all to remember that. That's very, very important. If you still have emotions about what happened, that's the sign that you have unforgiveness. And that is also the sign that you have not prayed enough for that person. If you will pray for them, you will be able to forgive them a lot faster. I'm going to tell you all a story and then I'm going to close. This is a true story and it is really good. Roger Simmons which was hitchhiking his way home. He would never forget the date, May 7th. His heavy suitcase was making him tired and he was anxious to take off that army uniform once and for all. Flashing the thumb to the oncoming car, he lost hope when he saw it was a sleek, black new Cadillac. To his surprise, the car stopped. The passenger door swung open. He ran toward the car, tossed his suitcase in the back, and thanked the handsome, well-dressed man as he slid into the front seat. Going home for keeps? Sure am. Well, you're in luck if you're going to Chicago. Not quite that far. Do you live in Chicago? I have a business there, the driver said. My name is Hamilton. Hamilton. They chatted for a while, and then Roger, a Christian, felt a compulsion to share his faith with this 50-ish, apparently successful businessman, but he kept putting it off till he realized that he was just 30 minutes from home, and it was now or never. Mr. Hamilton, I would like to talk to you about something very important, and then he simply told Mr. Hamilton about the plan of salvation and ultimately asked him if he would like to receive Jesus as his Savior and Lord. The Cadillac pulled over to the side of the road, and Roger expected that he was about to get thrown out of the car. Instead, the businessman bowed his head and received Christ, then thanked Roger. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. Five years went by. Roger married, had a couple of kids, and a business of his own. Packing his suitcase for a trip to Chicago, he found a small white business card that had been given to him by Hamilton five years previous. In Chicago, he looked up Hamilton Enterprises. The receptionist told him that it was impossible to see Mr. Hamilton, but he could see Mrs. Hamilton. A little confused, he was ushered into a beautiful office where he found himself facing a keen-eyed woman in her 50s. She held out her hand. You knew my husband? Roger told her about how Hamilton had picked him up while he was hitchhiking home after the war. Can you tell me what day that was? Sure, it was May 7th, five years ago, the day I was discharged from the Army. Anything special about that day, she asked. He hesitated, not sure if he should mention how he shared the message of Jesus with her husband. Mrs. Hamilton, I explained the gospel to your husband that day. He pulled over to the side of the road and wept against the steering wheel. He gave his life to Christ that day. Explosive sobs shook her body. Finally getting a grip on herself, she sobbed. I had prayed for my husband's salvation for years. I believed God would save him. Where's your husband, Ruby? He's dead. He was in a car crash after he let you out of the car. He never came home. You see, I thought God had not kept his promise. I stopped living for God five years ago because I thought God had not kept his word. That is a true story, y'all. I just find that story very moving. That's all I have for y'all this week. But please, please search your heart for any unforgiveness that is there because you cannot get into heaven with it. This is so important. It is so important. There's only one thing more important and that's that you gave your life to Jesus. This is the second most important thing that you forgive. Everybody who ever hurt you and he's willing to bring those names up to you that you have not forgiven. You only have to ask him and he will help you to forgive them if you need help. I know some wounds are a lot harder to forgive than others. It is not God's will that any should perish, but the rules are the same for everybody. We all have to do it, y'all. I just want to say a prayer for y'all before I close. Lord God in heaven, I lift up every person under the sound of my voice right now. Lord, I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd prosper them. I pray you would give them great peace and show them great mercy. Most of all, right now, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to them any person they have not forgiven. And I pray that you would help them to overcome the pride that keeps them from forgiving. And that you would heal the wounds that were inflicted on them in any pain that they feel. That you would help them to heal from that, Lord, and be able to release all of that unforgiveness to you. Help us to forgive, Jesus, like you forgave us. Help us to forgive. Help us to release them. Help us to pray for them to be blessed. Keep us safe as we go through our week, Lord. We love you, and we honor you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd like to offer you a chance to do that now. It's the best decision you will ever make. You know, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us on the cross. And he was raised from the dead on the third day. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And the Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will believe in your heart that God did raise him from the dead, that you will be saved. Will you trust him today? Just say this prayer after me. Lord God in heaven, I have sinned. I have fallen short of your glory, Lord God. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I turn from those sins now. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I do believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And I ask you to save me now and give me a new life. Show me your ways, O God. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. If you just said that prayer from your heart, You're now a Christian. You're a child of the living God. Welcome to the worldwide family of God. We're a big family. We're all going to heaven together later on. If you start reading your Bible every day, God will teach you about himself. Find a good Bible teacher that you like to listen to or find a really good Bible-believing church and learn all you can. It's an adventure. You won't even believe how much fun it is. It doesn't look like a lot of fun to people on the outside, but it is a blast. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, Inc. Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box, six zero, Glencoe, Arkansas, seven two five three nine, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will, at some point, encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas costs you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook. The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com.
1: Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21 32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27 2 through 7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings! Why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?
0: Sidewalk Flowers, Volume 1, is a collection of 58 short inspirational readings that will uplift, comfort, and encourage readers from every walk of life. Sidewalk Flowers includes inspirational tales and topics taken from the lives of everyday people who exhibited extraordinary wisdom, kindness, and courage while traveling the sidewalks of life. Get your copy of Sidewalk Flowers, Volume 1 today, available in print and new audiobook. Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 by Glenda Lomax. Available on Amazon.com in print or new audiobook.
1: There is no one on earth who has not been wronged at some time in their life. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has been hurt by someone. The pain you have suffered does not make you special. It is what you do with that pain that sets you apart. Life can make you bitter or it can make you better. You choose. The only difference between the two is the I.
0: Sidewalk Flowers, Volume 1, is a collection of 58 short inspirational readings that will uplift, comfort, and encourage readers from every walk of life. Sidewalk Flowers includes inspirational tales and topics taken from the lives of everyday people who exhibited extraordinary wisdom, kindness, and courage while traveling the sidewalks of life. Get your copy of Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 today. Available in print and new audiobook. Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 by Glenda Lomax. Available on Amazon.com in print or new audiobook.
1: There is no one on earth who has not been wronged at some time in their life. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has been hurt by someone. The pain you have suffered does not make you special. It is what you do with that pain that sets you apart. Life can make you bitter or it can make you better. You choose. The only difference between the two is the I.